Happy Father's Day. Our ultimate hope is to love and be loved. And the most common place where we see love expressed is within a home, in a marriage with children. This is what we call a family. Yet different people have different views when it comes to family. So in Mexico, where I live, people hold to what we may call a conservative family view. Life revolves around the family. We are the shepherd family. We look after each other. On the other hand, in many Western civilizations like the UK, we find what we may call the liberal family view. Simply put it, family is what messes you up. If there is anything wrong with you, it's your parents' fault. Yet, what was unthinkable in many places around the world, today cross-cultural families are booming. A bonus for our church family, as we rejoice with one of our missionary mission partners who will be getting married in December. So as we come to God's word today, we ask, what is the biblical family view? Is it the conservative or the liberal? Well, Genesis is a book of three families, Abraham's family, Isaac's family, and Jacob's family. Together, they are one messed up family that God saves by grace alone. In Genesis chapter 12, God tells Abraham that through his family, the whole world will be saved. In each family unit, one seed will carry the promise forward. But how do we get here? While Rebecca and Isaac, Jacob's parents, were expecting twins, so God says the older Esau will serve the younger. Jacob is chosen by grace, yet his father favors his older brother, which messes up the family big time. So Jacob gets to run 700 kilometers to his uncle Laban's house in Haran, which is in northern Syria. But before he gets there in chapter 28, verses 10 to 15, God blesses him. Even in a mess, God's plan will stand. But mid chapter 29, Jacob is already in Laban's house. And this is where the drama unfolds. So first of all, in this passage, we see Laban's ploy, Leah's lot, and God's plan. These are the three story breaks that we'll use to look at our passage today. So first of all, Laban's ploy in verses 14 to 30. Jacob has arrived, arrived at Laban's house with nothing, no money, no job, no family, nothing. Laban's question in verse 15, he uses language that would have been suitable for as servants or slaves, serving and wages. So Laban says in verse 15, tell me what your wages should be. This sets in motion his ploy. He knows that Jacob has fallen for his younger daughter, Rachel. 
Have a look in verse 18 with me, please. Jacob was in love with Rachel and said, I will work for you seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Imagine Laban had tried to marry off his older daughter Leah with no success. Why? A quick reading for 17, we see that Leah had weak eyes. Of course, before we think that she needed to visit spike savers, do you notice how she's contrasted beside her sister? Rachel is beautiful in form and appearance. It's clear that Leah is ugly and lumpy. So Laban has finally found a way to offload Leah when Jacob agrees a seven-year bride price. And indeed, seven years fly by like days. Jacob is finished by verse 21. In verses 22 to 24, we see Laban's ploy. He switches Rachel for Leah. We ask, how could Jacob see the scheme? Well, let's have a think. In a wedding, the culture, it would have involved many veils, much wine, and sure enough, it was dark. Plus, Jacob is a ladies' man in this passage. Why not just relax, have a drink, and get tipsy? But morning came, as it always does. Of course, you, rem you may remember the last time you went to bed and expected that things were beautiful to only wake up in a mess, such ugliness. Please don't mishear me. I am not trying to be rude to Leah or any other Leah. Just have a look with me at verse 25. There was Leah. Literally, behold, it was Leah. Such disappointment. You can feel Jacob's stomach sinking. You see, in Leah, Jacob has not only found his match, he finds a better deceiver. When the deceiver is deceived. You see Levin's plot here in these verse, this verses, and we say that uh, precisely in verses 28 and 29. He tricks Jacob to Maria before Rachel, and another seven-year deal of hard labor Cheap leather is struck. Jacob had no choice. But who is the most affected here? It's not Leather. It's not Jacob. It's not even Rachel. It's Leah. It's one thing to be single and another thing to be unhappily married and to know that your husband hates you. This is what we see in this passage. And often life feels a bit like that. We go to bed thinking it's all going to be great the next day and we only wake up to be disappointed. Maybe for Lovin, he thought, if I can only marry off Leah, then I'll be okay. Maybe for Jacob, he thought, 
grow, I'll be happy. My friend, marrying Mr. or Mrs. Wright cannot make you happy. Our ultimate hope has to be in somewhere greater than us all, greater than things we see around us, and that is in the ultimate bride, bridegroom, and that's Jesus. He is the only one who can fulfill our desires forever. Levin and Jacob's hope was in marriage. But here we see that God should be our only hope. Of course, marriage is a good thing, especially if you're experiencing, uh, if you want to be married, or you're experiencing some family pressure, or perhaps your pressure to do so. If you and I made marriage our ultimate hope, or our idol, we will be up for great disappointment. Here we see that we may go to bed thinking it's all beautiful, but only waking up to idleness the next morning. We come to our next headline. Leah's what we have already seen. Lovin's plot, <coughs> Lovin's plot. Let's have a look at Leah's lot. In verses 31 to 35. Right after getting married, Rachel and Leah enter into some sort of uh, competition in childbearing. And Leah wins easily. We can see that. Because God opened Leah's womb but closed Rachel's womb. The ugly wife is fertile and the beautiful wife is barren. Can you see what's going on here? Can you see how horrible this would have been for this family of one husband? Two wives within a choice. And later we'll see two compliments and a bunch of kids. So Leah gives birth and we can see where her heart is. Her heart is in childbearing. We can see what she says in verse 32, 33 and 34. But have a look with me at verse 34 please. Now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons, but he doesn't. How horrible, how horrible life must have been for Leah. How horrible was to know that you were not loved. To know that your husband loves someone and that's not you. It's not your sister. Let's go. But then Leah does something different and her fourth child. Have a look with me at first. This time, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Can you see Leah's Lord? Her hope is in childbearing, but like yet. She gets to lift her eyes to the God of all heart. And in him, 
she will have her heart and pride. So how her comes here today? Some of us here today, of course, happy, happy Father's Day. Some of us here today are parents, parents among us this morning. Is some of our heart in our children? We have a tendency as parents to have our, our unfulfilled dreams to try to see them met through our children. That's usually a recipe to crush them or be crushed by them. Sometimes it's easier to say, well, my children are doing okay, so I must be very happy. My son is off to Oxford. My daughter has just married a rocket scientist. They must be all happy and fulfilled. But if they are not, where is our ultimate hope? If our ultimate hope is in anything other than Jesus Christ, we are for being disappointed. But of course, hope can look a bit different to each one of us in different circumstances. This is where we come to see God's plan in our hands. Our third point, God's plan. In chapter 30, verse 1, verse 24. If we are to take away anything this morning, it will be that God has a plan for you. God has a plan for us. You see, the deceivers, the beauty, and the ugly will all experience God's grace. He will see Rachel, Rachel coming up to Jacob, of course, when she saw that she didn't have any children or childless. In verse 2, she says to Jacob, have a look with me, chapter 30, verse 2. Give me children. Oh, I will die. You can fail Jacob's hopeless anger. How are you the place of God who has stopped you from having children? He knows that their ultimate hope should be in a God of all hope. <laughs> so she gives him her servant. Verses 4 to 8. She rejoices that God has had her prayers, maybe, has judged her. And then we get to see also Leah doing the same. And in verses, we get to see that in verses 3, all the way to verse, yeah, verses 9, all the way to 13. And also verse 14, in with Reuben. So when Rachel, when Rachel wanted some of Reuben's matracks, if you don't know what they are, they root veg. Perhaps you can, um, um, the closest thing I could find is you can think of parsnips next time you're preparing your English roast. <laughs> but here we see what Leah says in verse 15. But she said, in the response to Rachel, but she said, Wasn't it enough that you took away my husband? Will you take away my son's contract too? Leah and Rachel's heart was in childbearing. If this was a Champions League final, it's very hard 
to recover four zero down at half time. <laughs> and Rachel would give that. <laughs> By the time the final whistle goes off, the score in child battering is at 9 3. <laughs> but can you see God's gracious plan in all of this? He remembers and listens to Rachel and she gives birth to Joseph. Joseph, he comes to save his family later on. If you want to know how the story continues, please come back next week. For now we can see God's plan stands. He is not only the God of the upright and the righteous, he is the God of the messed up family. Not only the God of the beautiful, but also the God of the ugly. And he's often attracted to the unlovely and lowly. He chooses the lowly and looks upon them with grace. Have a look with me again to chapter 29, verse 35. Chapter 29, verse 35. Leah had said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Despite Laban's ploy and Leah's lot, Leah gives birth to a son who many years later, he is the saint of Genesis 3.15, that God fulfills his promises. Notice that Judah, Leah's, not Rachel's son, comes to be the great many times grandfather of Jesus. <coughs> the ugly wife not the beautiful wife fulfills God's plan to the nations. At the cross, it was all ugly. We see God's plan perfectly at this play, regardless of Harold's plot to kill the saint and the leader's lot to crucify him. God's plan is fulfilled as Jesus does. He is stricken as the disciples scattered. Today, all around the world will come to faith in Jesus. Those in Mexico, those in the UK, those elsewhere will find their ultimate hope in Jesus Christ, their Savior. Of course, today we may be here. I might be feeling physically ugly. Oops. I don't have a six-pack anymore. <laughs> Maybe you were here feeling a bit spiritually ugly in this sin-sick world. We will all find our ultimate hope in Jesus. Because only Jesus we can find forever. You see, forever is not found in our education. Forever is not found even in our job contracts or our businesses. Forever is not even found 
in our marriage certificates or contracts. Forever is only found in Jesus. May Jesus be our ultimate hope. Because he's the only one who loves us regardless. He's the only one who loves us today and will love us forever. So this morning, this week, where is your ultimate hope? I hope it's in Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are very thankful that you have not left us without a redeemer. We are thankful for sending your son Jesus Christ, who despite the ugliness he faced in this world, he willingly gave up his life and died for us for the cross. And today we can know that we are loved by the great love of the Father. We ask you to please help us bless our ultimate hope in the Son Jesus Christ. Not only today, not only this week, but forever. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.